rewrite our spiritual math to receive a better solution. It's an interesting perspective that we share in that clip each year about the end of the year. And the idea is exactly um, what you heard in these terms. Let me ask you a question. Which is better, commitment or submission? By the way, first service was really loud when I asked this question. You all are looking at me like, uh, is this a trick question? Commitment or submission? And the answer is both. How many of you know commitment without submission can get you committed in the wrong direction? And submission without commitment just kind of leaves you standing there wondering, well, what's next? So I like to call it submission married to commitment. Let's all say submitment. Are you ready? One, two, three. Submitment. And so what we do is we submit to the Lord, then we commit to the cause that he's called us to, and we fulfill what he's desired for us to fulfill. So that's the concept. It's great to have a New Year's resolution. And maybe uh, some people are already thinking in terms of what their New Year's resolution is all about. But really what we focus on here as a church family is more so the New Year's revelation. Not what do I want to work on my life uh, about this next year, but what does God desire to do in my life in the next year? How many know God actually has a 2020 plan for you, for your life? Do you understand that? If you believe God has a 2020 plan for you, then say yes. We just receive that plan being set into motion as we pray and listen to what he's desiring to accomplish and then really surrender ourselves more readily to what that looks like. And so that's kind of the emphasis that we're going to take today as we're in this season of time and we're focusing in on what it is to be uh, kings and priests and prophets. Jesus is the king of kings. And so that means we are the kings of which he is the king. And so we need to understand a little more of, uh, of what that looks like. And I want us to read a portion of Scripture. And I said this in the first service. I believe that in the year 2020, God's going to give us 2020 vision, clarity of vision, to see some things the way He sees them and not just the way we've always known them. And part of that is I'm seeing more so that reading the Bible to search for biblical principles uh, is really secondary to learning to read the Bible to simply experience God's power as revealed in God's Word. You understand what I'm saying? How many of you would rather hear the power of God's Word demonstrated in the body of Christ instead of something clever? The seven steps to conquering this or the five easy stages of you know marital development. I think all those things bring some good value in terms of equipping and that sort of thing. But come on, I want to experience the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I had somebody in the first service come to me afterward and said in the last six weeks, they have had five major healings take place in their body. Five, like doctors are scratching their head five major healings. What, what is, yeah, let's celebrate that. We call some more of that in, in Jesus' name. But what I thought was so exciting about what she was saying was not, oh, I'm so, God, I'm so glad God blessed me, but through tears streaming down her face, this is what she said. God's done something in me that he's now asking me to take responsibility for. I'm ready to start going to visit shut-ins or hospitals and carry this healing power to be released into the lives of others. Come on, that's the church. It's not about me wanting God to do something for me. It's about me 
desiring for God to awaken something within me that actually impacts the world around me. That is so where we're driving today. Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 6 and following. And I want you to allow God's Word to, to be an anchor in you as I read it. Not just skimming through to get to a Bible idea. But let's, let's explore God's power in His Word. You understand what I'm saying by that? I just, I, I just want to cooperate with Him. You know, I don't want to give, give you my best motivational speech. I'm navigating through understanding this better than ever before. So let's really reflect on something deeper as we're uh, taking in what God's desiring to reveal. Isaiah 9, starting verse 6. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. This is an important part of this. Let's all say it together, please. The government will be on his shoulders. One more time. The government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government. And peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Lord, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the insight of your heart and your character that you desire to begin to characterize our lives as the expression of your love. Help us to see, Lord, with clarity what you're desiring to reveal today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. What was the phrase we read? The government will be on his shoulders. You know, I've heard a lot of people talk about this portion of Scripture. I've never heard anybody bring an emphasis the way I'm bringing it this morning. It's always the other focus. Unto us, a child is born. How beautiful, how wonderful. Merry Christmas. It's amazing. And then even some of the other virtues of God that are ushered into the world. But I've just not heard anybody really explain and break down the government will be on his shoulders. So how many of you know Jesus is the head of the church, right? He is the head of the church. Uh, it was funny, a month or so ago, when I came in on like a pastor appreciation focus, and I said, I just want to be the first one to say, I love our pastor. And everybody just kind of laughed because you thought I was talking about me. But come on, who's the pastor? His name is Jesus. Would you shout Jesus? Come on, he is the leader of the church. He's the head of the church. And we need to constantly bring ourselves back to a great awareness of that. But not only is Jesus the head of the body of Christ, we are the body of the body of Christ, aren't we? We're the expression of his love in the earth. And the government is on the body. The government of God is on the shoulders of Christ. The government of God is on the body of Christ. You and I carry the government of God to the world in which we live. We all get that? We carry the government. What's the government of God? The government of God is the kingdom of God or the king's dominion expressed in the body of Christ in the earth. This is utterly significant for us to understand because you and I are gifted kings. You have a design. Those of you who like to talk, let me just hear you say amen. You like to speak and talk. I know there's some loud people in. Those of you that you don't necessarily like to talk a lot, just give me a little wave. Let me just see a little wave. Bring your hanky next week and you can wave your hanky at me in a moment like that you just be cooperative with your design you understand God gave you a design according to his desire for you to express your design and reveal his desire to the world around you 
cooperate with your... I loved what Tracy said. I tuned in last week. I was uh, ministering in New Mexico in a different time zone, and, uh, and I got to hear the first service. And so I tuned in. I was online watching, and I heard her get up and say, because uh, I wanted to verify that her doctrine was sound and she was not bringing heresy into the body of Christ. And, uh, and I heard her say, when the cat's away, the mouse will play. And I thought, what are you... Ta- I'm gone, and suddenly she's just going to do whatever she wants. She brought a great word of the creative element of God and how we are not supposed to be like somebody else. We are supposed to be like God. Stop trying, stop looking at somebody else you admire and trying to be like them. Get your eyes on Jesus and learn to be like him according to your God-given design because that is the God-given desire that is to be released deep within your soul. Amen. Amen. It didn't take me so long to walk down that platform around there. I would go down, sit on that chair right now, and amen myself. Come on, I'm believing for God to have a conversation with each and every one of us today and activate something of our design as the gifted kings that are positioned in the earth in a powerful and profound revelation. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Are you glad you were called out of darkness? Come on, I am so thankful that I'm not just called out of darkness, but I'm called into his marvelous light. What happens when I stand in the light of Christ is those that are near me, their lives get light up, get lit up as well. You and I are called not just to be enlightened by God, but to actually be those who are used by God to help enlighten those around us and awaken God's kingdom in powerful and profound ways. And then another verse that we've looked at in this emphasis is Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. These are powerful declarations from God's Word. Listen, I want you to know it is not God's plan for us to try to get people to attend church services so they can pray a prayer so that one day they can go to heaven. Are you hearing me? I know that's what many of us have heard, but let me, let me reiterate it again. It is not God's will for us to try to get people to attend church services so they can pray a prayer so that one day they can go to heaven. Jesus never, ever taught such a thing. He said, when you pray, say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The goal is not to get us out of earth into heaven. The goal is to get heaven into our hearts and into the earth in such a profound way that social transformation is the norm. Social transformation is the norm. Society should be changed because of our existence. So what does this mean when we look at how uh, he's made us to be a kingdom and, and priests to serve God and we reign on the earth? This shows up in many ways in the expression of our personal lives, but I just want to say how thankful I am for how this shows up in our congregational family, and I want to share with you some things that are coming in 2020, but before we do that, how many of you know you really shouldn't just look forward without really valuing where you've come from in the past? There are some people that have paid a price 
for us to be here today. I am thankful for the Sister Russells of the world who has sought God through many pastors and is still today on her face crying out to God, believing. I am thankful for generations of people who've gone before us. And I'm also thankful just even looking at the previous year. This has been a year where you and I have learned of ourselves. God knows everything about us and we don't have to be scared because even though we're fully known, we are fully loved by God. Aren't you thankful for the grace and the love of God Almighty? Praise God. So when we gather together and begin to bring the expression of our lives together, wonderful things begin to happen. This past Wednesday night, we thanked everybody who serves in any capacity in our church family. We had a special banquet, and, uh, and we did like a 15-minute video recap of the year. We've cut that down to about five minutes so that we can share it on a Sunday as well. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what we see coming after we celebrate one more time. Thank God for what he's done in 2019. Listen, I want to encourage you. God is about to activate us into another level of influence for this coming year. How many of you believe that to be true? Do you sense that God is up to something with such unique expression about to come out of the body of Christ? And I want to just encourage you. You hear us say it all the time, the connect card. Uh, We want to connect with you in any area of passion that exists within your heart. Any desire that you have to partner in terms of being the expression God's called you to be, take that Connect card, fill that out, and we will follow up with you. We'll help you figure out. uh, There's a class that we're going to start in January, five-week focus called Discover Destiny Community Group. And it is all about you discovering your destiny, figuring out what your gifted life looks like and how you fit into the puzzle of the expression of the body of Christ. And I want to kind of broaden that today for you. But I want to encourage you, make sure if there's anything you need, anything we can do in partnering with you, a decision you're making today in your relationship with the Lord, your relationship with the church. The connect card is how we connect further in our relationship with him and our relationship with each other. I want to talk to you about 2020 and what um, God's just been stirring. I shared this with the uh, servant leaders at the servant leader banquet this past Wednesday night. And I want to encourage you just to begin to engage with what the 2020 revelation is for us as a congregational family. We believe 2020 literally is about 2020 vision or greater clarity of seeing things the way God sees them. I believe that this is to be the year. I want you to combine your faith with this prophetic declaration I'm about to share. Uh, Even with uh, earlier, as we're standing up here praying, and Brad and Stacia came over and began to say, you know, we're just believing God for our entire legacy to be shaped by the cross of Jesus Christ this year. Uh, and, and I said, let's go back there and receive communion together on this right now. We went and just stood back there. There's always communion at the back of the center for those moments in time and worship or that you want to experience the, the broken body, shed blood of Christ. And we just stood around communion back there declaring in agreement this is the year for God to do phenomenal things in our family. How many of you know you and your house will be saved in Jesus' mighty name? Do you believe that? Like really saved. That's what the Bible says. I'm believing for our sons and our daughters to be truly activated to the purposes of God this coming year. And I believe that this is going to be a year, and this is the word that I want you just to embrace. I believe it's going to be a year where we will begin to see the things materialize right before our eyes that many people longed for and perhaps never saw. 
I believe this is a year that the church is going to begin to be recognized and known by people that are not a part of the church, and they won't necessarily know the vernacular to use, but the, the expression of Good Samaritan is a commonly known expression in society today, and there is going to be a movement of the body of Christ in the year 2020 that's going to bring such transformation to society that people are going to describe it as, oh, those are the good Samaritan type people. God's moving the church into a mindset where we will stop going to the other side of the street when we see somebody in need, but like the good Samaritan, we will walk right up to that need and we will address that need more effectively. Several of the things you saw there expressed exist right now. In the conclusion of my message today, I want to give you, uh, there are actually 16 points of impact that are now beginning to emerge and I've shared for the year 2020, we're believing for 20 points of impact, literally 20 points of social transformation as a result of the dreams that exist in the hearts of God's people. Amen. We're believing for the church to really rise up and be the church, and that's why it's so important that you understand 2020, our New Year's revelation for 2020 is if you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. Come on, if you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. And you have that up on the screen for me. See the invisible and do the impossible. And uh, whenever you go out to the um, out to the lobby, what you'll see is a vision board out there. And these cards exist right by the vision board on the little table there. And what we want to ask you to do is to take one of those cards and write on the blanks what your New Year's revelation is. We're all believing that we'll see the invisible so we can do the impossible. But come on, you've got a word that you're sensing God stirring in your heart. If you have that now, get that card, write on it. There's tape out there and just put it up on the wall. We're going to begin to just stand before that wall in places of prayer and call out your name if you want to put your name and declare your revelation in agreement and speak those things that God is revealing. You might want to take a card and just pray over it this week so that you can begin to get your word from God. You know, the Bible actually says that that we are supposed to see that which we cannot see with the natural eye. Did you know that? We read this in Scripture, 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. How do you look at what you can't see? This is part of our design. You do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We are designed by God to see the unseen. And when you can see the invisible, that's when you are actually empowered to do the impossible. And this is going to be a year God's going to begin to reveal within us. What I'm talking about is when a circumstance around us begins to have a voice in our lives, that does not have to be the predominant voice that you are listening to. Are you hearing me? How many of you have ever been to the doctor before? The case in point, the person that I was mentioning in the past six weeks had all these crazy conditions hitting like surgery required and all of a sudden the doctor the doctor literally says well I guess keep praying because it's still working in other words the doctor gives the the temporal uh, review of what's going on and gives information and that information and that condition has a voice but Jesus has a voice and the voice of God is stronger than the voice of your circumstances situation but you got to be willing to see the invisible in order to move into a place of doing the impossible I'm tired of watching Christians walk around and be victimized by the enemy just because their circumstances have a voice. 
There's a louder voice going on in your life, and we need to learn to pay attention to what God has to say, not just what the situation or circumstance might be trying to communicate to us. Hear me loud and clear. This is a year of less talk and more action in the body of Christ. This is a year of less talk and more action that we would be mobilized to be the expression of the love of God. And I want to, I'm going to give you some, a breakdown of some verses and an explanation of something that I, I explained to my girls on the drive-in early this morning. I said, this morning I'm going to be speaking a message to the church that I believe is my most important message to the body of Christ, the church of my generation. It's a big statement, isn't it? And I just want to get it out there so that you're believing with me for a true download from heaven in our hearts. Will you agree? Are you willing to hear what God wants to reveal? Because how I many you know the biggest problem to our hearing God is we normally don't hear him very well because we are listening to what we are wanting him to say rather than what he's desiring to tell us. Matthew chapter 16. Most important thing I have to say that a church of my generation... Peter told Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered, blessed are you, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Peter said, you are Christ. Jesus said, you got a revelation from the Father, and that produced a blessing in your life. Verse 18, and I tell you, you are Peter. You, you got a revelation from heaven. Now you know who you are. You're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. On this rock, I will build my church. Now, I, it's important that you know that there is a word. This is written in Greek in the New Testament. And there is a word that would translate synagogue, a common religious institution of Jesus' day. He did not use that word. There was a Greek word that would have translated temple, common religious institution of Jesus' day, and he did not use that word. He used a word that we see translated as church, and it was not temple, and it was not synagogue. And I want, I want to point this out to you because there were three institutional organizations, major institutional organizations in Jesus' day. There was the Synagogue, there was the temple, and there was the ecclesia. And the word ecclesia is what he used. He said, I will build on this rock. Of you knowing who you are in Christ, I will build my ecclesia. And the ecclesia, this, that's what it says. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the ecclesia. We need to understand what the ecclesia is. We need to understand what Jesus is saying because he used this word very strategically and very specifically to communicate something that we simply, in many respects, do not understand in the day in which we live. We still have the mindset of the synagogue or the temple, but that is not what Jesus was talking about. How many of you want to know what the ecclesia is all about? If we want to know what we're supposed to be about, then we better understand this word. Because everybody in his hearing knew what he was talking about. They knew his word. A very common word. Three major institutions in his day. And this is one of those three major institutions. And it had nothing to do with anything religious. It had everything to do with that which was sacred, or secular and powerful in the community. Ecclesia is simply a gathering or a group of citizens that are called out for governmental purposes. 
You're going to begin to bridge some language here because we, the body of Christ, the shoulders, carry what? The government of God. Are we all together on this little Bible study today? We, the body of Christ, carry the government of God. Jesus specifically used a word that probably raised eyebrows because they were expecting him to define something religiously, and instead he, he defined something using, using sac, uh, secular terminology. And this is a governmental expression because ecclesia is an expression of a group of citizens called out for governmental purposes, specifically a legislative assembly of citizens. And this is important because you need to understand that when Rome would go and conquer a territory, then Rome would send a legislative assembly of citizens to go and represent Rome in the newly conquered territory. And according to the rules of ecclesia in Rome, when Jesus is saying this, listen carefully because this is going to tie into another verse of Scripture Jesus said, in, in, in the expression of the ecclesia, when Rome would send citizens to represent this this is conquered territory. Now Rome is in charge. Actually, what they understood was it only took two or three to create the assembly. It is the authority expression as if the emperor himself were in that territory. Now, does anybody hear what I'm saying in terms of a parallel to Scripture? So the, I just want to make sure we understand. Rome, they go in, they conquer. This is You no longer are, are manifesting in, in your way here because now Rome has shown up. We're going to send a legislative assembly of citizens, and all it takes is two or three in that conquered territory, and it is as if the emperor himself has arrived. And, of course, I'm pointing to Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, where Jesus would later say, if just two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I don't know if you're getting all this or not. But you and I are not citizens of this world. This world is the conquered territory where the King Jesus came and conquered, and we are now citizens of heaven gathering together as the ecclesia expression that God's government has arrived. Jesus is Lord. Sin has no hold. Addiction has to be broken. Legacy has to be reformed. The Word of God will prevail. The body of Christ is rising up. Come on, church. And we're walking around acting like the synagogue model. We're walking around acting like the temple model. The plan is not to just attract people to attend church services so they can pray a prayer and ultimately go to heaven. The plan is to gather as the church and become a threat to the enemy everywhere we go. When we were invited this last week to stand with the governor in, in the state capitol building and lead the charge of prayer, and I had the opportunity to stand up and declare Jesus as Lord right there on that floor in the state capitol, in the capital state, in the, the nation, or in the state of Oklahoma, right here in the heart of the nation where I-35 and I-40 form across, it had spiritual significance. The disciples got in a lot of trouble in the society in which they lived. Do you read your Bible? We have this mindset of just like, love God and everything's going to be beautiful and everything's going to be blessed and life's just going to be rosy. And like the disciples were in a lot of trouble. Do you understand? The disciples didn't get in a lot of trouble because they had awesome church services. 
The disciples got in a lot of trouble because they began to turn cities upside down in a declaration. The ecclesia has arrived and the kingdom of God is at hand and Jesus is Lord and everything about this community now will bow to this King Jesus. Who does that make us? We're the kings. We're the priests. We're the prophets. We're the expression of the government of God. The kingdom of God is here. That's who you and I are. power of God was invading every realm of society. You, you see on the bottom of your card, every week we put that little GP2RL. Anybody know what that means? Can we all say it together? God's presence to real life. You and I are anointed by God to bring God's presence to Real life. I'm so glad you're here worshiping today. But what you need to understand is you can't go to church because you are the church. We gather as the church to be inspired and empowered to go out and be the church. So here we see that in this whole scenario, the power of God was invading every realm of society in the book of Acts because God's people were carrying God's presence to real life. The enemy does not mind if we come together for our celebrations in this house. What is problematic to the forces of darkness is when the power celebrated in this house is activated in our lives and moves beyond these four walls into our neighborhoods, into our workplace, into the places where we shop, into the places where we, where we frequent for food and meals. We learn waiters and waitresses' names because we care about their lives and we carry words of knowledge and prophetic revelation into circumstances and situations and we begin to share with people something that God has put on our heart that we begin to pray for them and they say how in the world could you know that because the Bible actually speaks of a people that will know what God says in secret to other people and calls it revelation knowledge from heaven now that will transform a society I don't want any more patty cake Christianity how about you We've been in the sandbox long enough. It's time to grow up and get out and change the world. God's got an army. We're marching through this land. Come on, deliverance really is our song. There is healing in these hands. God wants to activate something of power and anointing in the world today. Not just in here, but in the world around us. Ha! For all of you guests, normally I'm a quiet lecturer, <laughs> breaking down the principles of Scripture in such a way that it's digestible. No, I'm just a streamer. I'm just full of passion. I, you know, I'm just a broken man who used to be a drug addict, who experienced the delivering power of God in my life. And I want other people to experience and know that power, the real power, not religious nonsense, real deal power of Jesus. Unto us a child is born, not so that we could build a religion, but so we could be transformed as a world, not just as a congregational family. We're not here trying to build a better church. We're here as the church trying to build a better world. 
That's why this past Friday night, we were able to be a part of a community Christmas tree lighting ceremony where the mayor has invited us years ago, and we do it every year now. Would you come? Because we make this all about lighting a tree. And the mayor said to me, but we know Christmas is about so much more. I just don't feel like as the mayor that I can stand up and give all that, but maybe you could as a pastor. And I said, let me pray about it, yes. Like, I get to talk about Jesus in a community Christmas tree lighting where hundreds of people come from the community. Do you understand? That's what I'm talking about. That's expression of ecclesia. I love this. I, I love it that you're here, you're forming, you're standing up, you're shouting, you're clapping. That is amazing. But God, I'm saying also, give us forums where we're not necessarily going to be celebrated, but we will bring transformation because that is who we are as salt and light in Jesus' mighty name. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Stop hating the world. Some of us have been in bad theology for years. Hate the world, run from the world, don't be around the world. For God so loved the world, hate the world. For God so loved the world, hate. Listen, if your theology violates the very character of God, you probably need to evaluate your theology. God loved the world, so should the sons and daughters love the world. I'm not talking about the ways of the world. I'm talking about the people that need to be reached and redeemed. If Daniel could walk through the lion's den and come out unscathed, I think you're okay to be surrounded by some really bad people. Oh, if, just we, if we could just get rid of all the pimps and prostitutes and drug dealers in the world, my, oh, we'd have a Christian nation. If we could just get rid of all the bad people then the good people could really prevail. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible actually says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and repent for their sins, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. The problem is not the abundance of darkness. The problem is the absence of light. Why don't you rise up and be who God's called you to be? And let's watch the world get turned upside down like it did in the days of the book of Acts. I want to say it again. We're not here trying to build a better church. We're here as the church building a better world. I'll give you some, some good biblical basis for this because I know I'm flying in the face of some common theology and we're, we're pretty much in an atmosphere that's okay with trying to understand uh, the new rhythm that God wants to bring and, and stay true to the word of God. How I many you know we got to stay true to the word of God? New rhythm, great. True to the word of God, vital. So I'm not trying to introduce a new theology or a new doctrine that's not steeped and based in the Word of God. It's just that there is an old theology, an old doctrine that's steeped in fear. And I believe God does not want us to live in fear. He wants us to live in faith. So understand, have you heard this, this verse before? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They're not to harm you, but I'm going to bless you. I'm going to prosper you. Isn't that a great verse? That is a beautiful verse said to God's people when they are going into captivity in Babylon. Are you hearing that? We read verses and we just pluck them right out of context. And we pay no regard to the context of what's being revealed. So then we develop a theology that's erroneous and lacks a true foundation. And here's a group of people that are about to go into a place of suffering and bondage in Babylon, and God is saying, my blessing is upon you. My plans are great. So if we back up, 
from Jeremiah 29, 11, four verses, then we actually understand a little bit more contextually of how this is supposed to work. And it kind of completes the picture of a theological conclusion that I'm trying to drive at today so that we, the church, aren't so dumbfounded by the reality of what God is trying to do in changing the world. Jeremiah 29, 11, great plans for you. Back up four verses, Jeremiah 29, 7. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Long live Babylon. I mean, like, he's, that's, that's what he's saying. You're going into Babylon, and I've got great plans for you. And if you will carry the blessing in such a way that it transforms Babylon, then you will find blessing as well. I mean, maybe we need to get t-shirts made. We're believing for a better Babylon. You understand what I'm saying? Like, that's not normal church theology. This flies in the face of churchianity because churchianity isn't Christianity. Christianity is not based on the temple synagogue model. Christianity is based on the church ecclesia, government expression of God from heaven and the earth, going in and taking over. Jesus didn't show up to create a nice religion. He showed up to take over the world. So you're going to go into Babylon. It's not the place that you're comfortable with. It's not the place that you're used to. Anybody here work with people? If, if you're on staff with me at the church, if you'd please keep your hand down. Anybody here work with people and they are awful? Just like, I mean, foul-mouthed, crazy. In fact, now I think of one person on staff. I work with someone like that too. It's just crazy. I'm just kidding, Haley. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody like that, though? Like, you work, I mean, you know, it's like, I had somebody come to me one time, no, pastor, it's awful. I'm in this office, and it's, all they ever do is cuss and cuss and cuss and tell dirty jokes, and, and there's no other Christian in the whole office but me. I've got all these sinners, and I'm just in the middle, and, and I'm just like, wow, that's amazing. And they're like, amazing? What do you mean? And, and I just said, for God to have enough confidence in you to be the only believer he called into that environment speaks a lot of the anointing that's on your life. I mean, there are two ways to look at your situation. I believe there's more power that exists within you than you realize. I want to say it again. We're not here trying to build a better church. We're here as the church trying to build a better world. We can't go to church. We are the church. That's why we, with deep conviction, gather as the church. That's why we gather sacrificially with our giving, our tithes, with our time, with our serving, the events and all those things. Those things are great because we can invite our friends to, but we are here to get empowered by God in a way that the scripture says happens when we gather and don't forsake the assembly. Then we go out in another level of anointing as we go and fulfill. You know what the problem is with the church? The church gets kind of cantankerous and frustrated. And I want to, I want to just, I'll probably talk about this next week. I haven't really looked at all my notes there, but I've got some of this carved out, and I may have this in it. But, but how, many of you, how many of you have ever been pregnant? Guys, just keep your hands down. How many of you have ever been pregnant? Raise your hand if you've been pregnant. How many have ever been like eight and a half months pregnant, and you were cranky and irritable? Can I just see? Raise your hand. Tracy, why are you not raising your hand? <laughs> no, she was amazing. You know what it is when somebody is so pregnant that they need to give birth? Nobody blames them for being fussy. You understand? 
because like you got an alien in there. It's uncomfortable. You have to go to the bathroom a lot because it's wiggling around on your bladder, I understand. You understand? It's, it's, it's frustrating. It's, it's, nobody blames you for being cranky if you're really, really pregnant. But sometimes you got to be willing to give birth. And the Christians of our generation tend to be those that just show up to church and never go give birth. And there are a bunch of pregnant Christians full of the vision of God, and they don't know how to give birth because all we've talked about is the synagogue and the temple model. We've not explained the ecclesia, so nobody's giving birth, and they're just a bunch of cranky, fat Christians walking around trying to figure out why. Oh, you went too far, Pastor. You went too far. We bring God's presence to real life. This week, I want to challenge you. You're God's presence to real life action point of the week. Work to make a meaningful difference in somebody's life this week. How many of you could do that? Set your sights on somebody. Maybe pick the most difficult person in your life. And be careful, because if a bunch of you pick me, I'll know. <laughs> Maybe pick the most difficult person in your life and pray and ask God. How can I make a meaningful difference in that person's life? Now, careful, because I didn't say make a major difference. I just said make a meaningful difference. That can be a card. It can be a hug. It could be a prayer. Asking God to speak something to you, just to invest in them some way that's meaningful. It could be a gift. It could just be something thoughtful. Make a meaningful difference in somebody's life this week. 